shall there be after me. I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Let's pray. Father, we ask you that you would shut each and every one of us in with yourself. Let us hear the voice of God, not the voice of man. The voice of the Spirit of the living God through the Word of God. To speak to our hearts as believers, to edify us, even to challenge us. And Lord, if there's one or some here who are not saved this evening, we pray that the voice of God would speak, that the Word of God would be heard deep within their heart. And Lord, may they see that you alone are the Savior, that thy Son given for us, shed his precious blood that we might be redeemed and forgiven. So Father, to that end, we pray that you would bless thy word unto our hearts and glorify thy name we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. This evening we want to look at the subject, God our Savior. God our Savior. You see, what if we were able to show people that Jesus is God and not only God, but he's the son of God. He has come right out of the Old Testament into the new. That he came from heaven to earth and that the son died for us to save us from our sin. I think if we really got to grips with this, it would encourage the believer but not only encourage the believer and rejoice their heart and their spirit, but if the unbeliever were to lay hold on the truths of this, they would see that outside of God, in other words, if Jesus is not God, if he is not the Son come to redeem us, outside of him then, if he is not God, then every one of us are still lost. And we're still in our sin. And if the unsaved man and woman can recognize this and receive this, to see that the one who the Father gave his son, that the one who the Father gave was his beloved, and that if there was another way for a man and a woman to be saved, to be forgiven, to be redeemed, if there was another way, for example, like your works, then you just need to work harder and I could have worked and then there's glory in man because one would work harder than another. And hence in glory he would say, well, I worked harder for him or longer than her. If it was by money, then many of us who don't have a lot would be lost for eternity while the rich would be going to heaven. And if we can get the grips that it's not in religion, in the sense where it's not salvation in denomination, because if it is in denomination, we just need to affiliate ourselves and be christened or baptized into that particular denomination and affiliate ourselves with them. And then we would be in heaven if that's what it was. And if all of those or even one of those among other things, could save us. 
that we could be forgiven by those things or even just by one of those things, if that were possible, then God need not send his son and his son need not come and his son need not die on Calvary's tree. Go through the agony and the punishment and the separation from his father which he knew nothing of. That Jesus didn't need to die. If we could be saved by another way then Jesus did not need to die. But if I can show you with the help of God the Spirit tonight If I can prove to you in the scriptures that in the old covenant, the God of the Old Testament, in the person of his son, died for us. That he came, God himself. And if I can reveal it with the help of the spirit of God tonight, then maybe you would realize the need The essential need of the hour is for you to trust in Christ and show you that there's no other way for you to be saved but by him. And there's no other religion. There's no other means or method. Then maybe tonight we would see that God is our savior in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 11 of our reading. Look what the Lord says to Israel through the prophet Isaiah. I, even I, he's drawing the attention of the prophet and now he's drawing the attention of the people. I, God, the God of Moses, the God before that of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob and the the God of Joseph, the God we read about, he says, I, even I am the Lord and beside me there is no savior. Notice he says the definite article. In the Hebrew text it says, it is the definite article, I, even I am the Lord. The Lord, the definite article is the Lord. Not one among many or one among a few even. It's not another Lord or or something similar. He's saying, I am the definite article. I am the Lord. He says, me, the God of Israel, I am the Lord. Notice here, he's showing us his uniqueness. And he's revealing to us his exclusivity. His uniqueness is that he alone is the Lord and the Savior. And the exclusivity is that there's none other but him. There's none other but him. So now I pause and I ask, how can you be saved? If he alone and since he alone is God and the Savior, how can you be saved? Outside or without Christ. Stay with me. He says, I am. In other words, he's saying, there's no other. The Lord, there's none greater. And beside me, it means there's no equal. There is no savior, there's none else. 
There's none else. In verse 10 of our reading, if we go to the verse before it, notice what he says. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed. Notice this. God is saying before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. What he's saying is that before me there was nothing. And after me, there's nothing. And outside of me, you're nothing. He's drawing the attention, I even die. And without me, there's no salvation. Now, take note of this. He alone is God, and there is none other. Notice what he says, beside me, There is no saviour in verse 11. Beside me, there is no saviour. See the word beside me. You and I think it means to come beside someone. Here is beside me. If, If you came up and stood here, you'd be standing beside me. And it means that. But it also means, there's a word called, it's a word, billiday in the original text. And billiday means apart from me. Apart from me. It means except me. In other words, God is saying, outside of me and apart from me, there is no other salvation. Except in me, there is no other savior. That's what he's telling us tonight. And hence, since man cannot know God, save God, reveal himself unto them. Man is is, is a man of carnality, of flesh and blood and bone, and cannot know God, except God reveals himself to man. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, and God said. And the word for God is the word Elohim. But when you go into chapter 2, and he starts coming to where he's now creating, he's telling us of the creation of Adam and his kind. Starts to say, not God, Elohim, but and the Lord God. It goes from God, God, God. And then in the chapter 2, it starts to turn, the Lord God, the Lord God. And it's, Elohim Jehovah or Jehovah Elohim or Yahweh Elohim. In other words, God had to start revealing himself to Adam. God had to come down from the heights as it were and he had to start presenting himself to Adam that Adam would know who his creator is, whom his God is and what his God can do. The Elohim is the great creator God. It's singular as a noun but yet it is plural in majesty and so he comes down in the personality of Jesus pre-Bethlehem and he he visits Adam in the cool of the day and he walks with him and he talks with him he reveals himself to him and without God revealing himself to man man has no chance or hope of knowing God People talk about having higher levels of consciousness. 
of, of having deep levels of meditation. Friends, there are other spirits. That's gateways to, to demonic spirits. It's not a higher level of consciousness nor meditation of being deeper or higher or any other direction. It's God coming down to man in his spirit, by his spirit, and revealing himself through his word. And he's revealing it to us tonight to say, I am Elohim, the great creator God. I came down to Adam, known as the redemptive name of Yahweh or Jehovah. Adam sins in the garden and separation comes. Sin, when it was finished, brought forth death. Hence we needed a saviour. And down through the years, Israel's God is saying, I am the God of creation. And he starts revealing himself in types and shadows to come, pointing to the coming of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you can tell me that outside of God's plan to do this, that you can be saved another direction by another means or method or way, please show me it because the scripture says you can't. God's plan was one plan, not I've messed up and I have to go to plan B. God has no plan B. He always had a plan A and it was redemption through his son. Forgiveness in Christ. Cleansing in Christ. And everything was pointing toward him. God showing himself and revealing himself onto mankind, onto Adam, and then through Israel in the person of Christ to you and I. Take note of this. He says in our reading in verse 11, beside me there is no savior or day beside me is apart from me or except from me. There's no savior. Full stop. He's not saying that there is not a savior. He's saying I am the savior. I am the savior. But rather he's saying that he alone is God and he alone is saviour. So if a man and a woman want to be saved, then they must rely on this God. But how do we see the invisible? When he says, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am the Lord and there is none else. How do we see him and he's invisible? Is God a hard taskmaster, giving the, the poor beggarly elements of mankind and his total depravity? Is he, so, is he setting a target so high that it's impossible? I can't see you. You're a spirit and you're invisible. So God reveals himself in a body of flesh. God takes on a veil of flesh. And now we can look in him. Now we can set our eyes on him that we might be saved. He sets himself a little babe in Bethlehem. He isn't a man filled with God, by the way. He's not a man filled with the spirit. He's very God from very God and he's a man of very man. Fused but not confused. He is one with two natures, 
God and man. He is Savior, yet he is Lord. He is deity, yet he is humanity. He's born, yet he's never begotten. Where do we see the invisible? We see him in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a lot of teaching today going around that Jesus is just a man. Friend, Christ is not just a man. He's the God-man. The very God of very God. He gives us the august title in verse 11 of our reading, I am. Gives the idea of I am. What is it? I am. Not I will be or I was, but I am. Present tense for eternity, I am. And then he gives us the glorious name, the Lord, the Lord. And the word Lord is there is Yahweh or the Hebrew letters Y-H-W-H. Some put it in a V-H was Yahweh-Vahi. It's how you would say it. And this was his name. This is the one who came to Adam. The Lord God. And in the name of Jesus, the name Jesus means Jehovah or Yah saves, Yahweh Savior. Even in his name means Yahweh saves. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So he gives us his august title, I am. He tells us his glorious name, the Lord or Yahweh, and he blesses us with his gracious heart, the Savior. His gracious heart and grace he came to redeem us and to forgive us and to die for us. All in grace, unmerited favor, guilty, vile, hell-deserving sinners like me. He came all the way to die on the tree that I might be saved and be in his glory. The hymn writer said, guilty, vile, and helpless we, spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement can it be. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a Savior. He alone is Savior. He alone can save. So you know what this tells us? That he alone, he alone can do the work. He alone can do the work in the heart. And he alone can do the work on the cross. That he alone can keep his word. The father giving off his son. The son dying and going to the grave and rising again. Ascending into heaven. Glorified at the right hand of the majesty on high. And the spirit coming and living in our hearts. That he alone can do all of these things. And it's impossible with man. The disciples asked one time when the rich man came and, I, and said to the Lord Jesus, good master, what good thing must I do to be saved? And he says, to sell his goods, give it to the poor and come take up your cross and follow me. And it says he went away sad for he had much goods. And, and you see, the Jews thought, well, if you have plenty of money or plenty of goods, you must be blessed because God loves you more than the rest. That's their idea of it. Surely you would be saved because you've many riches. Jesus says with man, this is impossible to be saved. Notice, he didn't say it was probable. Jesus said when they asked him, who then can be saved? Jesus says with man, this is impossible. 
Your religion makes it impossible. Your idols make it impossible. Your alms and your giving and your deeds make it impossible for you to be saved. Your lineage, your heritage, the very nationality you live in, the color of your skin makes it impossible for you to be saved. Impossible. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He made it possible by the giving of Christ. He made it possible by the giving of his son. The son made it possible by the giving of his life. The son made it possible by the shedding of his precious holy blood. Bearing our sin and away in his own body on the tree. The son died for us and, and he made it possible. He made it possible by rising from the dead for our justification. He made it possible by the pouring forth of his Holy Spirit into our hearts whereby now we cry, Abba, Father. That's how we're saved. By relying on what Christ has done. By relying on the finished work of the cross. What do I mean the finished work? I mean that Jesus died and cried that it is finished and you do not pay, you do not add, you do nothing for your salvation for all your sins have been washed away and Jesus has paid our debt in his fullness. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to give but to receive it all. It's glory for me and I trust it's glory for you. Men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Well, I'm not a bad person. I'm quite good. You know what the Bible says? There is none good. No, not one. There is none good. No, not one. But, but I'm, I haven't really done any wrong. There is none good, says the Bible. No, not one. You're not good. I'm not good. The person beside you or behind you or in front of you is not good. You know who's good? The Lord Jesus Christ. He alone is perfect and holy and pure and spotless and harmless and undefiled and separate from sinners. Christ and Christ alone is the only one who could bear our sin for he kept the law we couldn't keep. He lived a life we couldn't live and he died a death we should have died. But he done it all for us. Oh, you may say you get very excited about these things, Ken. I get excited about the Lord Jesus Christ all the time. You know why? Because I was there when he saved me. I know what he brought me from. I know what he's forgiven me of. I know it should have been me, but he took my place. I know should my breath leave my body this very moment, I know that if he had left it up to me to try, I would never have tried. But if I had of that, I'd still been going to a lost eternity and into a lake of fire. But he plucked me like a brand from the burning. And he saved my soul and took me off the broad road to destruction. He's planted my feet upon a rock. He's put me on the narrow path that I will be with him in glory. Will you be there? Will you be there?
Notice what he says in Isaiah 45, please, and in verse 18. says, I am the Lord. At the bottom of, it, of the verse, and there is none else. Notice, I am the Lord. There it is again. He's not messing around here. He's not one of a few or a number. I am the Lord. The definite article is there. The Lord. And there is none else. There's no other lords. Verse 21, please. There is no God else beside me. Underline beside me. There's no God else beside me. A just God and a savior. There's no God and there is no other savior, he's saying. There is none beside me. Where does Biladay again? It means there's none apart from me. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who is the creator God who walked with Adam. The God of Moses and the God of all the prophets. The God of the apostles now. He said, me, I am him. Come in the person of this man, Christ Jesus of Nazareth. And notice what he's saying. And beside me, there's no savior. Apart from me, you cannot be saved, he says. Do we get, do we get how, how we must see that Outside of Christ, there is no hope. Outside of Jesus, there is no salvation. But other religions say, yeah. And other religions have their dead so-called gods in the grave. We'll take you to the grave of Buddha. And we can take you to the grave of Muhammad and Confucius. We can take you to their grave, but I can take you over to the Holy Land of Jerusalem. And guess what? The tomb is empty. He's risen and he's alive. This Christ we serve is not a dead God on a piece of wood. He's not a dead God on a cross. He's not a dead God on a crucifix. He's not a dead God on a tomb. He's a living God and he's alive forevermore. This is the God we serve. This is the God we trust. This is the Savior we put our all in. Our whole eternity's welfare rests on Him. Rests solely on Him. There's none beside me. And then He says in verse 22, Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. There's no other gods before him or after him and there's no other savior but him. Listen to Isaiah 44 and verse six, please. Isaiah 44 and verse six. He says, I am the first and I am the last. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Does it, Christian? If you've read your Bible, does that sound familiar to you? When the Lord Jesus died and rose again, And he shows himself to John on the Isle of Patmos. He comes and he shows the revelation, what we have, the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ on the Isle of Patmos. If you go through the book four times, no less than four times, he proclaims himself. He says, I am the first and I am the last. Four times. 
Jesus said that, the risen Christ. And here he says it 700, maybe 50 years, 750, 60 years before Jesus even comes from heaven to be born in Bethlehem. And he says, I am the first, I am the last. Isaiah, who are you talking to? I'd love to see him and say, Isaiah, who are you talking to? I was talking to the Lord, the God of hosts, the Holy One of Israel. Well, who is he? He's Jesus. That's who he is. Written before he was born in Bethlehem, 700 plus years before. Notice Isaiah 44 and 6. I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. This is telling me the one in Revelation who says, I am the first, I am the last. He is God, and there is no other God but him. In verse 18, pardon me, verse 8 of the chapter Isaiah 44, he says, is there a God beside me? He's asking you the question now. What do you think, Isaiah? What would Israel say? Oh, well, they have other gods by now, gods of their own making, gods of their own understanding. They have gods of their own mentality, you see. They have their own little figurines and their little idols and their little statues and all their little groves where they hide them and go worship them. And and they have the golden calf. They put one in Dan and one in Bethel that they may come and worship and not even do the temple in Jerusalem. But the Lord said, and he asked the question, is there a God beside me? Ah, now Israel are dumbfounded and the prophet, what can he say because he's just a man? Is there a God beside me? Listen to the Lord's answer to him. Yea, there is no God, I know not any. I say if God doesn't know if there's another God or not, then nobody knows. He says, I know not any. And Hosea the book of Hosea, chapter 13. Hosea is a prophet to the northern kingdom of the house of Israel after Israel split into two kingdoms. And they had their golden calf in Dan and one in Bethel, as I had mentioned. And what they had done was in, in, in their mind, they had a God formed in their mind. And you see what's in their mind, they start to fashion and where did they get this idea? Well, away in Egypt, when Israel were in Egypt, they, they saw the Egyptians were, were worshipping Apsis. And Apsis was the bull calf god. They created a bull calf god in the book of Exodus when they first came out, sure. Moses was up the mount. And now again, it's in their head. Let's see, I want, the, I want God to be what I think he is. I want God to be what I think he is. And that's the mentality of people. I think God is like this. And I don't think God would do that. Well, that's sort of God I would want to be in heaven with him anyway, because if that's the sort of God he is, it's not the God I think he is. You see, and it's not what we think he is, it's what the word says he is and the revelation of himself to us. That's where idols come from. That's where they come from. Our imagination Notice here, Hosea 13 and 4. Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt. And thou shalt know no God, small g, thou shalt know no God but me. 
for there is no savior beside me. God says to the northern kingdom, he says to the house of Israel, you think these are your gods? Can you imagine what he had said to Britain tonight? She's the stadiums with people worshiping idols. The stadiums with people worshiping footballers or rugby or stadiums where they're worshiping pop stars and singing at their concerts and screaming after them and idolizing them. You see what it is if he, if he walked into a, 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 a Roman Catholic church or if he walked into a, a, an Anglican, some Anglican churches or, or whatever. You see them when you see the idols. Well, we're, this is to help us with the veneration of worship. Friend, if the Spirit of God is in you, you don't need anyone or anything to help you with the veneration of Christ and worship. The Spirit of God does it and elevates Christ in your life. You know why I love Jesus? Because he first loved me. Do you know why I keep loving Jesus? Because the Holy Ghost enables me to. I don't need a statue that looks like Christ. That's a man's imagination of his face. That's idolatry. It's idolatry. Why? Because it's man's imagination put into that stone or wood or whatever it is. It's a man's imagination when he he runs from God and and he worships the movie star or the pop star, the rock star. It's man's imagination of things that are good and, well, this must be right. You can even worship in your mind your denomination. I'm saved by my denomination. Listen, what denomination saves you? The Roman Catholic Church? The Presbyterian? The Methodist? The Baptist? What denomination we could go on and on. What denomination? What church saves you? CET? This church? If you come here enough and you do whatever you do, does that mean you're saved? What church saves you? None saves you. No denomination will save you. Christ saves in Christ alone. Christ is the only savior. Christ alone. We have this imagination where we formulate gods in our own mind. Well, I don't believe God would cast people into hell for that wouldn't be a very nice God. You've just formed an idol in your mind. Well, I don't think God would turn me away because, you know, I might not have accepted him, but, you know, I've done my best. You've formed an idol in your mind. And guess what? God in your mind no longer is God, but you are. You're his God then. Does that make sense? Because you're telling God what you think he should be and what he should or shouldn't do and you're formulating him, well, this is who he is because I think so. But the scriptures says different and tells us it all in this. This Bible tells me that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved you, eh? that you wouldn't perish. For God gave not his son, sent his son into the world to condemn the world. Well, not the world through him might be saved. Notice, God sent the son that through his son you might be saved. Whosoever believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he believeth not in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the condemnation that we don't believe that Christ is enough and so we try to even add, we'll do church and we'll do work or we'll try and keep our ways and we'll we'll even go, listen, you could reject Christ 
and you could be religious and you could go to the furthest country to the hardest working place that you could find it to minister, to try and help the poor, to try and elevate the, the society. You could try it all, and yet you could be there for the rest of your life to your dying day, and without Christ you'll still die and go to a lost eternity and burn in hell. Without Christ. Because God says, but without me, outside of me, he says, except in me. There is no saviour. There's no saviour. He said when I brought, I was God from Egypt. And thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no saviour beside me. And he was saying this to the house of Israel. He was always God and not just God from Egypt. It wasn't like he started being God like the golden calf was in their mind. What he said was, I was always God. And even from I brought you through, remember they had to take the blood of the lamb and put it upon the doorpost and the door lintels. And God says, this night I'm passing through Egypt. I was in judgment and passing through. He says, but when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Well, God was saying, I brought you through the blood. And I was God with you in Egypt and brought you out of Egypt. That's what he's saying to them. He's casting their mind back. And he says, for without me there, or beside me, there is no other savior. He's saying, I always was God, but I brought you out through the blood. God is saying that he from Egypt has never changed. Notice what he's saying is, I haven't changed. You have. Backslider. God says, I haven't changed. You have. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And what he's saying is this to us. He says, in your flesh, Jacob was a worm, it was said, called of him. He says, in your flesh, you're just the same. In your flesh, you're just as sinful. In your flesh, you're just as lost. He says, but as for me, I am God and there is none else. I haven't changed. It's what? They'd say, well, God left me. No, he didn't, Christian. No, he didn't. He can't. He says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Well, I backslid because I sort of felt God had left me. No, you backslid because you fell out of love with him. You backslid because you fell out of love with Christ. He's always loved you and he still loves you. And he hasn't changed, but you have changed. And he says, I have brought you out from Egypt through the blood. Do you remember Israel? Well, then there's no other savior but me. I haven't changed, he says, but you have. So guess who walks away when the relationship between us, you and I, and God is broken? We do. He never walks away from this relationship. He never walks away. Do you know why? Because his son paid the highest price for you. His son paid the highest price for you. And you have walked away, but he hasn't. But he's here for you to walk back to. Did you hear that? He's here for you to come back to.
Listen, time does not change him. Did you hear this? Time does not change him. I've been away so long. I've rejected so long. Maybe he's changed his ways or his feelings or his thoughts about me. No. Time does not change him. Ages will not weary him. Society cannot destroy him. And unbelief will not ruin him. And man is still lost and in his sin without him. There is no God beside him. There is none other. So Isaiah 43, please, verse 11. I'll get a drink while you're looking it up. I, even I, am the Lord, our Yahweh, Jehovah. Beside me, that is apart from me, outside of me. Look nowhere else but me, he's saying. Look unto me and be ye saved. And beside me, there is no savior. I just want you to get a thinking cap on just for a couple of moments here. Don't want to go too deep with this, but if I can get a, just to put your thinking cap on a minute. In Psalm 18 and verse 31, if you want to turn to it. Psalm 18 and verse 31. It says, for who is God? Save the Lord. Or who is a rock? Save our God. Let's read it again. For who is God? Save the Lord. Or who is a rock? Save our God. See the word God, G-O-D? It is actually the name Eloach. Eloach. It is the root name said to be of the word Elohim, the creator one. But here, who is God or who is Eloach? I want you to listen now. This name is God stressing that he alone is deserving of worship. I want you to get this. He is stressing here that he alone, Eloach means that he is stressing, I am the Eloach, the one who receives the worship, who deserves the worship and none other. See, we're worshiping everything else. God's away down the list. God's away down the line. Israel, we're away with other gods. And God is saying, for who is God or who is Eloach? Notice save or accept or apart from the word is biladeh. Save is the word biladeh, which we use beside me or outside of me, apart from me. God is saying, I am a loach, the one who alone deserves to be worshipped, and outside of me, he says, or beside me, or save the Lord or Yahweh. What he's saying is this, I am a loach, and I am Yahweh, and there's none other deserves your worship. Now, we have already stressed to you who this one is. This one is the Lord Jesus Christ. He deserves our worship. 
And get your thinking cap on for a moment. Notice I'll say it again. For who is God or who is the Luach? Who is the one that deserves the worship? Who is the only one that deserves the worship apart from me, who I am, Yahweh? Except for me, outside of me, who is Yahweh, God? Oh, Israel will be going, wow. Of course it's God, but sure, we'll do everything else too. And this one became flesh. This is Christ. This is the Lord Jesus, the one who hung and bled and died. And people say, I'll be saved in my own merit. Can you see the, the import, the, 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 the impossibility for man to be saved outside of him? Can you see if a, if a man or woman are not accepting solely on the blood of Jesus, the cross work of Jesus, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, if we're not leaning completely, totally, fully, uniquely, and only on him, there's no salvation. And he deserves the worship. People say Jesus couldn't be God for he never received worship. He never turned away worship either. But if he never received worship, here he is saying, I'm the one who deserves your worship. Why does he deserve your worship? Because he took you and he bought you. He owned you. He shed his blood for you. He took the pain and the shame and the sorrow and the suffering and the scoffing. He took it all that you and I might be saved. And he bore our sin away. He alone deserves the worship. I'm going to round this up. There's a wee thought. Let me leave. Let, do this wee thought before we go a little further and I'll round it up. You see the word here, Eloach, for who is God, Eloach, the one who deserves the worship. In the Aramaic, it's made of two words, and it's the word El and Ah. And I'm told it's a shortened form of a word, Ah, yeah. Now listen, when Moses was in the backside of the desert in Exodus chapter 3, minding Jethro, his father-in-law's sheep, and there, out of the corner of his eye, he sees a burning bush. Now, that was nothing out of the ordinary with the heat that happened on a regular basis. But this bush was burning, and it wasn't consumed says Moses is following the sheep and there he is with a staff in hand, minding as it were his own business, watching the flock. Suddenly, here's this bursting of flame. Oh, it's another one of them, but it's not consuming. It's not being burnt up and it's on fire. And so he turns around to see what it is. And when he comes over, God says, I'm going to send you, speaking through the burning bush, I'm going to send you to Egypt, tell Pharaoh to let my people go that they might serve me. And he says, well, if the people of Israel, the Hebrews say, well, who sent you and what's his name? He says, thou shalt say, I am that I am have sent thee. Isn't that right? Do you know what the words I am that I am are in the Hebrew? Remember the word Eloach or El-Yah-El-Ah or Ahyeh in the Aramaic put together for the Hebrew? This is what it means when he says, I am that I am. It's a word, Achyer, Esher, Achyeh. It's the same name. It's the same word. Who will I say sent you? Hasher, 
or sorry, aye, hasher, aye. That's who you'll say who sent you. I am, who did we say was, I am the first and I am the last. Who is he? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Talking to Moses in the backside of the desert. Sending Moses in. And he gives a picture of himself for the the 10th plague. The 10th plague. What was the picture of himself? Moses, take a lamb of the first year. Slay the lamb and put his blood in a basin. Take the hyssop and dip it into the blood. Put it upon the doorposts and on the door lintels. The blood of the lamb, he says, and I'm passing through. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Revealing himself, revealing himself to a man who cannot believe in him and to a man and woman who cannot understand him starts giving us foreshadowings and types throughout the Bible until the substance comes. The shadows disappear and the substance comes and there he is as a baby in a manger. father watches him growing up he watches him at 12 years of age in the temple and he watches him growing up again and he sees him being baptized of John in the river Jordan and when he's baptized the spirit of God comes down in a bodily form as a dove and rests on him and the father speaks from heaven and says this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased my beloved son is the words, this is my achapitis weis. And it means this is my mature, only grown-up son who calls the love out of my heart. Jesus calls the love out of his father's heart. And when you're saved and washed in the blood of Jesus, guess what? When he looks at you and he looks at me, he sees not our sin and our failures, he sees Jesus. And we call the love out of our Father's heart. So I finish with this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8 verses 5 and 6, For though there be there that are called gods, small g, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be gods many and lords many. Okay. Verse 6, But unto us, in other words, people of many gods, and already, people have already formulated a God in their mind in here tonight. It's idolatry. It's idolatry. Notice, for though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there be gods many and lords many. Uh, the word gods are theos, where we get the word theology, and same for God. It just means to, to learn about God. Theos. Uh, uh, and actually, lords is the word polos, theos and polos. And it means God uh, or the theology or the teaching of what a God is and who God is. Notice this verse 6, but to us, who's us? The Corinthians, to Paul, to you, to me, to those of us who are saved. But to us, there is but one God. The Father of whom are all things and we in him, notice, and one Lord Jesus Christ, 
by whom are all things. Jesus Christ, notice his name is in the Greek, Iesus. It's the Greek uh, transliteration of Joshua, Joshua. Joshua means Jehovah saves, Jehovah or Yahweh saves. So when it's transliteration, Iesus means Jehovah saves and Jesus is the same. What are we saying tonight? We're saying that salvation is in God, God our Savior. And if salvation is not in him, then there is no salvation. And if salvation is not in Christ alone, then there is no other salvation. For God said there is no Savior, and he says there's no salvation but in him. Paul says this is a faithful saying. I'm worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came into the world to save sinners. The word for sinners is the word harm, mortal loss. Do you know what it means? Everyone who sins from the, those who think they're not such a sinner, but they realize they are, to those who are deep dyed sinners. You know those sinners who you think they could never be saved? You know those sinners who you think he's so so bad or she's so bad they could never be saved? It's always the, the decent people that God saves. No, friend. He saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. He takes the vilest of the vile. You're looking at one. You're listening to one. takes the guttermost, saves him to the uttermost. He's God, our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ is God, your Savior. I hope when you go home tonight, you want to hear in the back of your head, God, our Savior. God, our Savior. He's God, our Savior. He's God, my Savior. Team, would you come up, please?